0: Let's talk about groups. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have about 600 people from our campus involved in groups, which is incredible, guys. That, yeah, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Now, if you are not in a group, let me first of all tell you what a group is not. A group is not just a Bible study. That's, that's not what a group is, we have Bible studies. We call it Thrive. Thrive is our Bible study. Right now we're doing an Old Testament survey class. It meets at 8.30 in the morning. If you were not here, which you probably weren't here at 8.30, um, but you can come next week because we did our first part of our introduction this morning. We'll do the second part of the introduction next week. So it's not too late. Old Testament. We're going to work our way through the whole entire Old Testament, and we're going to do it in the next seven weeks. And so. Get ready. We have books prepared for you, ready to go, so you can take lots and lots of notes. So then what's a group? Well, here's what a group is. A group focuses on in, out, and up. If you've been for, with Woodside for a while, then that sounds familiar to you. You've heard it over and over and over. In, out, and up. In. In is our relationship with each other. Now, the moment you walk in the door and the moment I walk in the door, we've messed it up, y'all. Like, it's not going to be perfect anymore because we're a mess, aren't we? Like, we don't like to admit that, but people, let's not say people, we are messy. We're messy, and so this is that space. You need a space in there where we cannot be perfect together. Does that make sense? Where we can kind of get in there and get in each other's space? I think sometimes there's places like Sunday morning where you come in and it's almost like, man, I'm just going to act like we got it together just for an hour. It'll be okay. Sit there. Everybody be good. Don't look mean at me. I think there's that space that we try to do this. But when you're talking about group, we're talking about this this place where we get in each other's space just a little bit. We're real. And we want to sharpen each other in that place. We want to become a better reflection of Jesus in that place. So that's in. There's also Up, right? Up is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We want to continue to strengthen and take steps of faith. So we do want to open the Word. We do want to say, based on what I'm reading from the Word, how do I let my life be a better reflection so that I can honor the Lord? And then there's out. Out means, and I think out is the most challenging part for most groups because it's where you have to think outside the walls of your group, outside the walls of this church, now, a few weeks back, I want to tell you about this quick story. A few weeks back, the Antone and Lennox group did just that. They had an out. What they did is they went to the Peace Academy, which is a low-income school in Pontiac. We have a few pictures to show you uh, about what they did. Their goal was to bless teachers with back-to-school items. They wanted to get baskets filled with all kinds of supplies, playground balls, classroom material, and, and give lunch. Now, if you're looking at these pictures and you're thinking, Well, why didn't I know about this? Because I would have wanted to help. Guys, I didn't know about this. Just so we're clear. Like, that's the beauty of groups. When it comes to groups, there doesn't need to be an announcement made for, hey, here's a missional opportunity. You get the opportunity to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like, you can just, you really can't, you just go for it. And so they did. They just Went for it, and here's the beauty. Not only did they pray and they prepared, like everyone was involved, whether it was giving, preparing food, praying for the event. It ended with this. I love this. It ended with one of the teachers saying, hey, do you think you guys could go down and pray over my room before school gets started, before the kids come in for the year? Could you just go and just just wash my room with prayer? Could you do that? Church, I told you that because I just want us to be able to say, well done as a church family, can you help me and tell that group well done? So cool. I would love this groups as you're doing things like that, as you're practicing the outs, if there's anything really cool happening in your group, would you just send Kristen that note? Your group leader knows Kristen, Just reach out to Kristen, let her know what's going on because I want us as a church body just to continue to celebrate that. I want our family to keep celebrating what's happening, because ne- I'm telling you, I never would have known anything about this at all. Like, there's no- I wouldn't have known about that event until Kristen showed me the pictures, and I am like, Billy, you've got to hear this story. Um, if you are looking as your group at what kind of out could I do, we're looking, we got the in, we got the up, what kind of out, McRest. I know you've already heard about McRest. Listen to this, we now have all the volunteers we need to stay the night we got food. Here's what we're looking for now. The last piece to the puzzle, we still need some drivers. We still need drivers to take the guys down to where some homeless guys will come, and this will be home for the week for them. They will go out during the day, and they will work or try to find work, and during the evenings, they come here. Well, after a, a hard day of work, I like to take a shower. I don't know about so we. Bust them down to the high school where they're able to take showers and we go back and forth. We need drivers, drivers to get them to work sites, get them back from the work sites, get them to, so there's this whole schedule worked out. If you're interested in volunteering, if your group is interested, right outside the doors to the left, you'll see the sign-up sheets right there. There'll be someone there to talk you through all of the details. Now, I know that most of you already know this about me. If you're brand new here, y'all, I'm kind of a nerd. I have a nerd factor about me. So like when Apple does their big event, you know the Apple event where they're like, here's all of our new products. I don't read about it after this. I want to watch it live if I can. The whole thing. Is anyone else with me? You want, Two, three. You know what? Okay, first service, there was none. Second service, there was not one empty seat, but only one hand went up, which made me so sad. This service, three. Thank you guys. Because I felt so lonely the first two services. I felt so lonely. So all the rest of you, this will be new information. Like Apple is this company and they always come out with cutting edge products, right? And so the watch, let me tell you about the new watch. Be a great Christmas present. Amy, you can't Facebook right now, I'm talking to you. I'm literally talking to you. All right, anyway, not this part, I just added this. This was brand new information. It'd be a great Christmas present, I hear. Anyway, the new watch, so I I have like the first generation, which all it does is tell time. Like that's kind of boring, but the new ones. Man, so there's second generation, third generation. This is now fourth generation. The fourth generation, you can go swimming. It's electronic. You can go swimming with it. Yeah. And it'll tell you like your workout. Not like if you're just hanging out on the lounger, but like if you're swimming for a workout, it'll track your workout for you. If you have fallen and can't get up, which is a funny joke for my generation, if you've fallen and can't get up, it will call the paramedics for you. Like it really will. It'll call the paramedics. It knows when you've fallen. It it, uh, can do an EKG on your heart. So, like, if you want to, like, I don't know why you would want to, but, like, if if you want just to run EKGs on your heart, you can with your watch. If you want a GPS, if you want a phone call, it can do all that. If you want to tell time, it's so cutting edge, it can tell time. Like, it's amazing what it can do. Here's the thing. I think I'm not alone. I think some of you are sneaking, you just didn't want to raise your hand, but you're kind of like a tech geek, too. Like, you're kind of, like, nerdy, and you like that kind of stuff, even if you don't want to admit it. Like, we are. Here's Why? We like our personal heads-up displays. We like what we want. We like it fast. We like it now, but every now and then. Isn't it true that every now and then a story comes along and kind of shocks us back into humanity just a little bit? Every now and then stories. Like this week, I was reading about this guy named Victor E. Frankel. Some of you know Victor's story. I see a couple of heads nodding up and down. Victor's story is phenomenal. He was an Austrian neurologist and leading lecturer on what he called local therapy. And he, um, he died in 97, but before that, he was a Holocaust survivor. He survived Auschwitz. He, um, his life and his biography is just absolutely phenomenal. Imagine. Imagine going through life for 15 years. You have been doctor. Dr. Frankel, and almost overnight you lose that name and you become number 119104. Can you imagine that? Here's what's so intriguing to me though. Before that happened, he had a chance to escape Austria. The United States had not yet entered World War II when he was offered a U.S. visa. Right, The United States was like, hey, you're one of the best and brightest out there right now. We want you to come to the U.S. Here's a visa. Can you imagine as a parent how you would feel about that? Like the Nazis are getting ready to invade Austria. Your child can go to the U.S. and be free and be far away from that. Like you'd be ecstatic, right? His parents were ecstatic about this, and yet he was struggling. He had this dilemma. What should I do? Should I take my freedom? Here's what he said. Let me just read his words. He said, could I really afford to leave my parents alone to face their fate, to be sent sooner or later to a concentration camp or even to a so-called extermination camp? Where did my responsibility lie? Should I foster my brainchild logotherapy by immigrating to fertile soil where I could write my books? Or should I concentrate on my duties as a real child, the child of my parents who had to do whatever he could to protect them? So he was trying desperately to figure out what should I do. Should I stay and be here with my parents or should I take this visa and go to the United States? And that's when he went to have dinner over with his mom and dad. When he went over to the house, he noticed this piece of marble lying right over on the table. He noticed this piece of marble and it had this gilded letter in there. And so he's like, dad, what is that? And he said, well, son, the Nazis came and they destroyed the largest synagogue in all of Vienna. That's a piece from the synagogue. And he said, Dad, which piece? He says, What well, was from the Ten Commandments. Not the original Ten Commandments. The, the original Ten Commandments were not in there. Anyway, so, but just like a recreation of the Ten Commandments. And so, he said, sounds from the Ten Commandments. is from the Fifth Commandment, which says, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thy days may be long upon the land. And Victor wrote this. He said, at that moment, I decided to stay with my father and my mother upon the land and to let the American visa lapse. Isn't that incredible? We get, in, in just that snapshot, we get a peek into this man's life. He had, he had so much freedom and happiness right here in his hand, but he said, you know what? I'm going to go with this higher calling Again, everyone, I'm, I'm Billy. I don't know if I said that or not, if you're new with us. I'm Billy Creech. I am the campus pastor here at Woodside Romeo, and it's great to have you. We are in this sermon series called Blueprints where we are studying the Ten Commandments. In fact, go ahead and your Bibles open up to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse number 12. Exodus 20, verse number 12. The big idea is going to be super easy to remember. Honor your father and your mother. Now, as you're turning to Exodus 20, let me just say that it's clear after the first two services, this is a, a challenging message at best. Like it, this is this is tough stuff, right? Because all of us we have something in common, y'all. We're all kids. Every single one of us. We're kids. We know what it is to look at parents, and sometimes that experience is great, and sometimes it's less than great. And you're probably surrounded by people who are kids and the people you're surrounded with, maybe their relationship with their parents, maybe they have a phenomenal relationship. I have a feeling, though, that you have people in your oikos, in your sphere of influence. You, you have people around you who struggle when it comes to honoring their parents. They don't do well with it. They really, really struggle with this topic. And so let's go ahead and read in the Word of God, and we'll, we'll jump in. Exodus 20:12 says, honor your father And your mother, that your days may be long upon the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. So we're going to look at just two very real applications as we work our way through this morning. The first is you need to understand your obligation to your parents. Did you see the first word? The very first word was honor. Uh, we We don't use that word very much anymore. I think we should use it a lot more. I wish... We had the opportunity to use it a lot more. We don't use it very much. But in the original Hebrew, the root word for honor in Hebrew is the same root word that's used for glory. Like glory to God in the highest. That word, the root word for glory, is the same root word that we see for honor. And what it means is it means, it means heavy. It means, it means weighted. Like it's, it's heavy, which we use the word the same way today. If you need uh, legal help and you bring in some heavyweight attorneys, if you need medical help and you bring in some heavyweight doctors from, from Mayo, right, it doesn't mean that the attorneys or the, the, the doctors, that they're husky. It doesn't mean that. It means that they are influential, right, that they're well-regarded. That's how we are supposed to have a posture toward our parents. We're supposed to have this posture toward our parents, this one of respect, one where we show submission to them. One where we provide for them. I'm going to just tackle each one real quick. Respect. You should respect your parents. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 3 says, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. You shall revere. We get that. Revere. Like we revere God, right? We hold his name in high esteem. His very name we hold in high esteem. We revere him. We respect him. We're supposed to have that posture towards our parents, to respect them, to revere them. Now, think about this the, the way that you respect and revere a holy and an awesome God who, am, who is unseen is deeply impacted by the way that you respect and revere your parents who you do see. Does that make sense? The way you respect and you honor your parents deeply impacts how you're going to respect and you're going to honor God. Second part is submission. Now, submission, kind of like respect, but it's different. Like, I respect Tom Brady. He's a good quarterback. I don't submit to Tom Brady. That'd be weird, right? I, I respect, like famous directors, like um, Steven Spielberg. I, I, I respect, I don't submit to him. I, I respect him. But we're told in Scripture we're supposed to submit to our parents. Here's what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Now this is the first commandment with a promise. It says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul says it's right for kids to obey their parents. Now, parents, just so we're clear, because I don't know that we teach on this a lot anymore, your job as a parent is not to be a butler for your kids. That's, that's not your job. Your job isn't to be a debit card for your kids. That's not your job. Your job is to be their teacher, their provider, and their authority. And the way that you teach your kids to submit to you and to respect you is deeply going to impact the way that they submit and respect a holy and an awesome God. Now, this is something I've had to learn. Because, again, I'm a, I'm a kid, right? Like, I have parents. As I've gotten older, submission looks different. Right? What it looks like at five years old is not what it looks like at 45 years old. It looks different. And you need to, parents, you need to look at your kids and understand it's going to change as they get older. It doesn't mean that they're always like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, you know, and like, boom, they do whatever. It looks different. But what it should mean is there's this posture that says, I'm willing to listen to you and to learn from you. And when there's a disagreement, you ever, ever had a disagreement with your parents? When there's a disagreement, it means that you're very gentle in your approach to them. Guys, if I'm being real for a moment, I'm a pastor, y'all. Think about it. Like, my parents, they have thoughts on faith. Like, they, they practice a different faith background. And so when they talk to me about anything spiritual, my job to honor them is to take a very gentle approach in how I'm talking to them. Which brings up the last, and that is provision in old age, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. Before I read it, I just want to say, this is one of those verses uh, that completely changed the trajectory of the Creech family. And it'll it'll make more sense as I read it. It says this, it says, but if a, if a widow... Let me also say real fast before I keep going. We're going to cover a lot of ground this morning. We've already covered a lot. And so I just want to encourage you to take notes because I know I'm talking fast. I know I am, and I know I'm just going through... Scripture, in fact, Gabe's running the computer back there. He's like, man, Dad, there's a lot of Scripture today. And and there is. There's a lot of Scripture. Just encourage you to take notes this morning so that as you go through the rest of the week, you can continue to camp out and go back and reread these verses. 1 Timothy 5.4 says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return. I would even underline that, some return. They need to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we were in Arizona starting a church, most of you. Know this story. Pretty much all y'all will know this story. If you're new with us, this might be a brand new one. We were in Arizona starting a church and um, having a great time. like yeah, I mean, just, just having a good time. And that's when this accident happened. It was in a different state. A young man was street racing on a Saturday morning. It's about 11:30 in the morning. He's going more than 140 miles an hour down the highway. And that's when he hit the car with Amy's family in it. And it killed her dad, and it killed her nana, and it killed her papa, and it killed uh, her great uncle. But her mom was left alive. And verse Timothy 5.4 was a verse I couldn't get away from. See, I think sometimes we think when we turn 18 and we move out and we go to school or go to the military or go work, like whatever it is that you want to go do when you're 18, I think sometimes we think we're going to go, whoo, I'm free willy nilly!" you know, I'm out of here. Like, no obligation. that's not reality. Reality is there's obligations. Did you see what Scripture said? It said to make some return. We get that as people. Don't we? ROI, return on investment. We get this. If you're like, I don't get this. What did you just say? ROI. Here's, here's what I mean. Return on investment. If, if there's a house for sale in the village for $150,000, there's not, just so you know. Romeo has no houses for $150,000. I've looked. But let's say... <laughs> It's true. Let's say there's a house for sale though for $150,000 and it's kind of a mess and you then put 50 more thousand into it. You've now got 200,000 into this house, right? And let's say you're like, man, the market's still strong and you put it on the market and it sells for 300,000. You just made $100,000. Your return on investment is $100,000. Now, if you're a smarty, you're sitting there saying, well, there's also closing costs. You're not going to make that much money. I know. I know. But uh, back in 2002, there's a website called Investopedia, like it's real, Investopedia. If you would have invested, I brought up Apple earlier for a reason. If you would have invested $100 into Apple in 2002, which I did not do, but I should have done, because if you would have done that, today it has a value of $10,000. It's got a 100 times the ROI right now. Your return on investment is 100 times. Our parents should never, ever, 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 never look at us as followers of Jesus and wonder, is this going to be a good return or a bad return? They should never wonder that. You never get the right. Friends, listen to me. You never get the right to look at your parents and to say, they made their own bed, now they have to lie in it. They deserve what they have coming to them, even if maybe you think they do deserve it. We just don't get that privilege. Here's what we get. Scripture calls us out so strongly. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. There's not a little wiggle room there, is there? It's pretty clear what our calling is. So my mother-in-law did come to live with us for a season. And I'm not going to say one word bad about her because she's going to be here next month, y'all. And um, you have to tell her how you've heard all about her. And I've said how amazing she is and how, no, she's doing great now. She's, she's remarried. She'll be coming for Thanksgiving. She'll be here the week before Thanksgiving to spend with us. But those first couple of years, um, it was challenging. But just because you're honoring your parents doesn't mean it's always easy. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's challenging. Those first few years, they, they were tough. But she moved in with us just for a few months. She moved, for a few months, she moved in to really go through the physical and the spiritual rehab. But Scripture is so crystal clear on what our calling is as kids, which then brings us to our last point. We're going to see in this commandment connects to Jesus as we praise Jesus for his perfect fulfillment of this commandment. Jesus was 12 years old. Most of you know this story. He was 12 years old, and they were heading for the Passover. His family, Mary and Joseph, they were heading to Jerusalem for the Passover, right? You ever been around a 12-year-old boy before? Yeah, some of you are giggling because you already know. They don't always pay attention, do they? Like, they'll look at you here, and they'll walk this way. Like, they're just kind of, they're just happy. No, I Almost fell off the stage earlier when I was doing this. That's what they do. Like they just, they will get lost. And they don't mean to get lost. They're not intentionally getting lost. Jesus got lost. He was 12 years old. Mary and Joseph looked up. Boom, Jesus is gone. They're furious. They're freaking out. They finally find Jesus. This is Luke chapter 2. They're like, how could you do this to us? And Jesus says, listen what he says. He says, did you not know that I must be at my father's house? Did, did you hear that? See, sometimes I think we read Scripture, and we've been around Christianity so long, we miss the richness of what's there. Jesus, at twelve years old, looked at Mary, looked at Joseph, looked at mom and dad, and he, in that moment at twelve years old, says there's a connection between me and God as my heavenly Father. And this is what he did when Jesus Christ came. He let all of us become part of a family of God. Not amazing? Now, Jesus didn't all of a sudden forget all about Mary and Joseph. Here's what it says in Luke 2.51, just a few verses later. It says in this same scene that Jesus returned to Nazareth with his parents, and he was submissive to them. Submissive to them. He kept the fifth commandment, right? He kept that fifth commandment of honoring his father and his mother, He didn't do away with the first commandment of have no other gods, right? There is one God. He is our God. And yet you can do that and honor your parents in the same, until all of a sudden his parents got in the way of the mission. Then the conversation got more challenging. You guys remember when that happened, right? So Jesus has grown now. He started his public ministry. And a lot of Jesus' ministry was he went to parties and he told stories And as he was going to the next one, he would heal people along the way. They were blind, they were deaf, they were mute. He would would heal them on the way to the next party to tell the next story. And this seemed to be ministry for Jesus. And one particular day, he's sitting in this house and he's talking with these people. And his mom and his brothers, they're done. Like they are like Jesus has got to stop. He's creating a ruckus. This is getting ridiculous. He he has got to quit. They're ready to have an intervention with Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they are ready for the group of them to show up and give a cease and desist order. They're ready to show up. At, can you imagine? Right? Can can you imagine? They're getting ready to show up and tell Jesus how it's going to be. They're going to show up and tell Jesus, "You got to hush now." That is enough of that. And here's what it says. This is in Mark chapter three, verses thirty-three through thirty-five. The crowd told him, "He's in this house." This crowd told him, "Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you." And Jesus takes this moment and uses it as a teachable moment. Most historians think that at this point Joseph was already dead. We don't know for sure. Scripture doesn't tell us, but that seems to be what the evidence says. Jesus responds with this, though. He says, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Did you hear it? Like this would have been like a verbal smack to Mary and, and his brother. It would have, picture yourself. Moms, picture this. You knock on the door, the doorman comes, yeah, what can I do for you? Hey, I need Jesus. You just tell him his mom is here waiting on him. And in my head, she crosses her. I don't know if she does the hip hop, but you know, crosses her arms probably, you know, because she's waiting. Patiently wait. This is how my mom always waited, right here, you know, and so it wasn't always so patient. So, anyway, she's waiting, and then all of a sudden the doorman comes back, and he's like, um, yeah, I don't know how to tell you this, but Jesus says he's already got his mothers inside, and brothers and sisters, and I think how that would have felt in that moment. But see, Jesus in that moment wasn't meaning it as mean. He was teaching. He was teaching those in the room. He was teaching Mary and his brothers, and he's teaching us. The fifth commandment, honor your mother and your father, never, ever, ever is meant to replace the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before him. And I, th- I think this is a struggle for us. I really do, because I think this is one of those places, whereas I've talked to people so many times through the years about placing their faith in Jesus or about being baptized, they've used the fifth commandment as an excuse to not do one of those. They say, well, I don't know what my parents would say if I got baptized, so I just, you know, I'll just put that off until until they die. They don't want to say that, but until they die, I'm just going to put it off for a while. Faith in Jesus, yeah, I'm just going to keep that quiet. I'm going to keep it under wraps. I don't want my parents. I used it as an excuse, just so you know. Which, by the way, if you need baptized, we have a service coming up next month. But you need to let us know so that we can have conversations and and get you ready for that, right? So let us know. It's coming up. um, In fact, I think we're exactly a month away from that service. So you'll want to make sure to let us know. But a lot of people have used this as an excuse. And here's what Jesus does to help us. Um, see this in a crystal clear way. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 37. He says, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, which sounds so harsh. But church is not. I've seen this lived out before, and the picture that I saw changed this passage entirely for me. It was during my first overseas mission trip experience, which was to Malawi, Africa, which, by the way, if you've never been on a short-term mission trip or if it's been some time, Uh, Next year, September of 2019, I'll be leading a trip to Ecuador, and I would love if that whole trip was just filled up with Romeo people. So uh, go online, make sure you get signed up for that. There'll be uh, fundraisers all along the way. There'll be training along the way. So Ecuador 2019, get signed up. So Malawi. Malawi. I was in Malawi, and it was incredible because we would go, and I'd never seen anything like this, but we'd go village to village to village to village, and as we would go to all these places, it'd be like 200 people here would come to know Jesus, 150 people over here would come to know Jesus. I mean, it was just constant. We would give the gospel, we'd give an invitation, and everyone was like, yes, I'm placing my faith in Jesus. It was incredible until this one village. In this one village, it was mainly college and high school students. And during the invitation, I thought something went wrong because during the invitation, there was just one who stood up. And everyone around her just kind of laughed at her. One stood up. And when she stood up, the smile that wrapped around her face, guys, I've never seen anything so freeing, so alive in that. I mean, it was in crowd, never forget her face. After the service was over, we, we prayed with her. We talked to her. We encouraged her. And then we got in the van to head back. And as we did, the pastor, we had a pastor with us who was an interpreter. He said, um, yes, this was very different because I wanted to know what was going on in this village. We just, we haven't experienced that. So what was happening? He says, yes, this girl's life may end tonight. I said, I said what, do you, what do you mean by that? He says, well, because of her family, she will probably... Be just cast out on her own. Her family will reject her and disown her, uh, or they will kill her. i I'd never seen anything. Being from Inola, Oklahoma, I'd never seen anything like that before. I'd never seen anything like that. On Sunday, just so you can hear the rest of the story. On Sunday, we were at a church about five miles away, and all of a sudden, she walks in, again, with that same big smile wrapped around her face, and she said, my parents did not disown me. They let me stay in the home, and they're going to let me be a Christian and practice uh, my faith. They do not want to be Christians, but they will let me be a Christian. So it was just incredible, but we got to see this moment of what it looks like to say, I'm, I'm going to hold The fifth commandment of honoring my parents to be true while never ever shine away of that first commandment, that he is the Lord, our God. So two two quick applications, and we'll get this wrapped up. The first relates to your parents. Do you understand what your obligation is to them? Now, if you're young, as I'm looking around the room, we have quite a few young people in this service where you're still living at home. My question to you is, do you honor your parents? And do you honor your mom and your dad? And that's kind of tricky. It's a little bit tricky because, like, when a kid is two, they're different, right? Like, when they're two, they'll do things like that because I had two boys. I still have two boys. But, like, if you said to my oldest, this is hot, don't touch it, he would look at it, and he'd do this, and he'd cross his arms. I'd say, hey, Ian, do you want to touch that? And he'd be like, Nope. You, do you want you can touch it if you want nope you said it's hot I'm not touching it I believe you said don't touch it Gabe who's back there running the computer Gabe would do this at two he's not like this anymore but at two I'd say hey Gabe that's hot don't touch it he would go every time he'd wrinkle his nose first and he's like I'm gonna touch it what do you think about that you know and we had some come to Jesus meetings and that changed you know and but as you get older, here's what happens. Like maybe you're in middle school, maybe in your high school, what will often happen is all of a sudden your parents will tell you things and maybe it doesn't make sense to you. And so what you'll do is is you might say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, or maybe you don't do the ma'am and sir, but still you're like, okay, you say don't touch it, I won't touch it. But inside you're going, you don't touch it. I'm to tell you to do it. And you're doing this with your head, you know, and you're fi- That is not honoring your parents. And I was the worst. I was the worst about this, because like in my home, there would have been none of my mama would have smacked my head like she i don 't think you 're allowed to smack heads anymore i don't i don 't think you are, but back in the day, my mama would like backhand forehand like it didn't matter like I was going to get boxed, and I knew that, and so i I just wasn 't I was not rebellious, I was not going to be rebellious externally, mine was all internally. Right? And, man, the arguments I won in my head, I was amazing. I won every argument. I beat her every time. It was all right here. But here's the thing. When it says honor your father and mother, what it means is it means to revere them. It means to hold them in high esteem. It means to respect them. It means to look at your parents and say, I may not get it, and I may not understand everything, but I know and I trust that God has put you in my life for a reason. That's what that means. Honor parents and the reality is most of us we don't live at home with mom and dad anymore. You're in your 20s, your 30s, your 50s, your whatever he's up above that and and this, this can get a lot more challenging. Guys after both services I had people in both services in tears saying you just don't understand how hard this whole message was for me. I didn't have good parents. Not only were they dysfunctional it went a step further and there were people who would say, I had abusive parents. And I don't know what to do with this. Most of you probably didn't have abusive parents, but you may have some fallen heroes. Does that make sense? Fallen heroes where you probably looked at mom and dad and you said, oh, I see you and you're great. and Dad, you're so strong. and Mom, you're so smart and you're the prettiest ever. But somewhere along the way, you realize that they're human. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you realize your parents are human and that they have, they have fallen just like you have. You know what I mean? Like they have hurts and they have habits and they have hangups and they sin. And there was probably a point in your life where you realized your parents sin and it may have been a shock to some of you. It may have shaken your system just a little bit to realize that your parents sin and that you as a human, like you, you have absorbed good and bad from your parents. Do you honor them? Because the Bible never says, Honor your father and your mother unless they were knuckleheads. And then it's okay to do this. You know, if they were bad, if they were mean, if they said hurtful things, if they were abusive, then it's okay just to dust your feet and forget about it. The Bible doesn't say that. It says to honor them. And maybe one day it will be financial for you. It's going to hurt and it's going to burn. It's not going to seem fair. It almost certainly will be relationally and emotionally. You need to be there. Now, there can still be healthy boundaries, right? It doesn't mean that you're best buddies, but it means you're going to honor them in that place. And I think Jesus sets such a beautiful example for us in that. God, we get to call our heavenly father, our never-changing, always faithful, strong tower, rock, Refuge, hiding place, salvation. Always the same. And we get to him through our redemption through Jesus Christ. So that Frankel guy I told you about, Victor Frankel, he did let the American visa lapse. He did go to a concentration camp. And once he was released at the end of the war, he lived for the next 50 years years. He became an incredibly influential lecturer, writer, and thinker in the 20th century. And what's interesting to me, of all the research, his most famous book was just about his experience in Auschwitz. It was called Man's Search for Meaning. But Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Whoever loses his life for the sake of the gospel. That means that when you approach your parents, there's not this 50-50 calling. There's this place where you just empty yourself as you honor them. It's for the sake of the gospel. It's this place of saying, I'm not coming into the relationship and bringing honor based on anything you've done. Listen, you can't control what kind of mom you had what kind of dad. You you can't control that. But you can control do we honor what Scripture's called us to in bringing them honor. Father, we do thank you for today. Lord, this is a hard message. It's a hard one to prepare for. I know for so many in this room, it's it's a hard one to hear. So I pray for the men or the women in this room who are struggling with this because maybe the relationship wasn't the best with mom or dad. Or Lord, maybe it was a phenomenal relationship, but then we realize that our parents are kind of fallen heroes, that they're not perfect. Or God, maybe some of us as parents we look in the mirror and we realize, or maybe we don't always deserve honor, or we've missed the mark. Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you bring restoration, that you bring healing to our hearts that you continue to breathe breath into us that gives us hope for tomorrow. Or maybe there's some who need to look in the mirror and not see the things that they were told when they were growing up because it was destructive. May we look in the mirror and see what you say about us, that we are forgiven, that we are redeemed, that we are sons and the daughters of the Most High then because of that truth, we can't bring our earthly mom and dad honor and respect. Help us to understand and know what that means relationally and emotionally. And Lord, let all that we do bring you honor and glory, because we love and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.